0: Hello, you're very welcome to RTE's Your Politics podcast. We're here in the bowels of Leinster House. I don't know why we've just been laughing. It's not, there's not particularly (laughs) anything to laugh about at the moment. But with me, Paul Cunningham, Sandra Hurley and Michal Lahan to share their wit and wisdom on the political week just gone. Um, And the big surprise of the week, I suppose, Michal, the Social Democrats, all change. All changed
2: suddenly, yeah, and I suppose the party had been talking about getting things in order ahead of the next election, even at their party conference they were talking about red lines around negotiations, but I think there still was an expectation uh, that particularly that Roisin Shortall would be there at the helm of the party for that, always that view that the next election would be key for the party and perhaps it would be Roisin Shortall's shot at becoming a cabinet minister. Perhaps that's still a possibility, but there will be a new leader in place now. As political departures go, it was a surprise, but it was good humoured and it seemed fairly relaxed. Uh, Surprisingly so, that that was the tone of the room. There doesn't appear to be, so far as we can tell right now, a backstory behind uh, what led to the departure. They both insist it was just a matter of timing and giving a new person time to be ready for the local elections first next Mm -hmm. year.
1: I so saw. I met both of them later on in the evening, and they were still in that relaxed mode, as if they they were happy that they'd been able to tell their story the way they wanted to do it. That it had not been sort of something that leaked out, and there was very much a case of job done.
0: That was the sense yeah. of it. And they like were boxers,
2: politicians don't usually get to leave on their own terms,
0: but looks like they have that was the way it looked but always in politics the question what next Holly Cairns seems to be the name that's knocking around the most we had Jennifer Whitmore on Morning Ireland this morning Uh, she's thinking about it Mm. Uh, your assessment Sharon
3: um, Keno Callahan has said he is thinking about it as well uh, Gary Gannon has ruled himself out uh, Jennifer Whitmore says she's thinking about it I think for some listeners perhaps her interview on in Morning Ireland this morning she didn't sound completely 100% gung ho about taking on the job that's just reading into it. We don't know for definite. We'll have to see over the next couple of days from talking to people. There's no question that Holly Kearns is the favourite. She seems to have a sort of an X factor. She's young. She's very articulate on television. When it comes down to it, um people in the party will be thinking about the face on the poster, the ability to galvanise people, to gain membership for the party Mm -hmm. and to get those extra seats in the next couple of elections that are coming up. Uh, And she may well be that person. It would be a very big step up for her. The question is whether, at this stage, whether we will have a contest, I suppose. Um, Will somebody else uh, run against her? Um, There's kind of pros and cons there. It's good for the party in one way to have a contest. They would, I understand, have hustings. They would go around the country to local members. Uh, That would test the candidates. They'd be able to hear what they're, uh, you know, uh, hear and see what what they're made of. Uh, And it would also garner publicity for the party. That's good Mm -hmm. as well for a small party that struggles really sometimes to... um, In the shadow of Sinn Féin, in the opposition, they would be looking for a bit more attention, I suppose. But the other side of it is that it's clean to have uh, one candidate going forward, one person becoming leader, and it gets the process done.
1: I thought it was funny. I was talking to one Labour person, Sandra, and they were saying that um, I wish they'd just get it over with. Mm. And there was a sense that everyone else has to set back while the Social Democrats you know consider the issue of who they want so it is one of those things a magnet for publicity an opportunity to be able to um, portray yourself to the uh, nation as the next thing the new generation something different and um so yeah i think they could yeah. enjoy themselves
0: the only thing is when you look at the polls where all the parties are kind of basically bobbing along, uh, along within margin of error local elections next year europeans maybe general we don't know so there's an awful lot of competition out there, and when you look at two small, and I know you know people. Jennifer Whitmore was saying this morning, it's only people in the media who talk mm. about <laughs> labour and social democrats and so on. But equally, you know, labour would certainly people in labour certainly labour talk, do talk about yes, do. And I mean, it just seems daft that two such similar parties would be running candidates against each other in, say, the local elections.
1: Because people want choice, isn't that right, Mihal? More choice.
0: More choice,
2: not less choice. That's why they they established the party. I suppose you did see an effort before, didn't you, with Brendan Howland uh, going into the the last local elections where he spoke about Greens and Social Democrats uh, being in the order of preference for Labour voters and he gave that nod in that direction. I don't know how much that yielded and it probably didn't yield very much for the Labour Party uh, but certainly that does look to be the natural block. but resistance I, I think in the past when the Social Democrats were formed there were some informal manoeuvres by Labour even around sharing some time uh, on key debates uh, but that was rebuffed in no uncertain terms. I think there is an intriguing possibility and it's, it's a real far out theory in relation go for to it. Th- yeah, let's Let's go for it. That's <laughs> <laughs> In relation to the Boundary Commission, which could report around yeah. around July, the Boundary Electoral Commission that Holly Kearns and Cork South West is in a part of Cork South West that if Kerry were to be divided back into two that Kerry South could take that portion uh, of no West Cork me, oh. Cork is not seeding any this happened. Kerry, S- this happened at some point not. in the late 60s now culturally that would be very difficult for for the people of West Cork but it would present Holly Kearns with, with a huge challenge indeed to hold her seat do
0: you know what we'll do if that happens we'll go down and we'll do a podcast just from the border <laughs> we'll yeah. do it just from The
2: border yeah. that no longer exists <laughs> yes. because it moves 20 exactly. miles of the road yeah, I, I remember Seamus like Healy that. saying once that Tipperary could never become a single constituency because north and south were culturally different. Well, definitely West Cork and South Kerry would be culturally different. I think
1: they say the same thing about Donegal. You know, it used to be North East and Donegal South West, and there was sort of a divide. And you know, yeah. you, you'd even hear them saying, you know, the wrong end of the county. You know, so it was quite sort of territorial. But what do you know? It's nearly one constituency. A little part of Donegal still locked into Sligo.
0: Okay, stop with your geographical wanderings there for a moment and come back to what was supposed to be the big story of the week, uh, the 1.3 billion cost of living package. Um, Is it enough to bolster the government through, you know, all the pressures people will be under in the months ahead?
2: I suppose two things. The government do think inflation has peaked, I mean, whether it has or not, but I suppose the calculation is based on that. And they think, and there's some fairly tough talk from the Taoiseach on that, that energy prices can fall a little bit quicker than the energy companies are are suggesting at the moment. Or ELECT. Yeah, he will act, and he will, he will, he will ensure they do. So, if that were to happen, I suppose it would be enough. If it doesn't, well, then they could be bothered again, and particularly then if you have the evictions ban expiring, mm-hmm. and if there's a lot of people, I think there is an awareness in government too that while the beast from the east didn't come, there hasn't been that really period of cold weather uh, yet. But if that could still strike at some point in March, and that could change things.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the sticking point now, Sandra, it's the hot potato, isn't it? It's the evictions ban. Mm -hmm. And there seems to have been something of a shift within Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael on this. Talk to us about what's happening there.
3: Um, Well, we're expecting a decision in the next couple of weeks with the ban due to begin to expire at the end of March. So it's certainly a key battleground, all of the opposition saying it should be extended. And of course, homelessness charities as well, really pushing for it to be extended further. But we've seen some very tough talk from Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael over the last couple of days. Particularly at leaders' questions this morning, the Taunusha Mihal Martin warning of uh, unintended consequences, uh, suggesting that it could mean more small landlords um, leaving the market, that things could get worse. There was some interesting extended. numbers
0: there, didn't he, about the number of landlords that sold out last year as it was opposed 13 to. 13,500 was yeah. what he was saying,
1: and yeah. he described them as leaving in droves. That was the, And the government needed to be aware of that, cognizance of it, when it was deriving its policy, because he felt when it came to the yeah. <laughs> extension of any ban it couldn't be short term would have to be longer term so once again he just seemed to be putting yeah. weight on the problems yeah. the problems with this and I think that was the, the biggest tip yeah. we got so I think far that maybe
2: If it was extended to the end of the year which the opposition are calling for well they say well that would present a massive difficulty in January and they think more landlords would exit so you can see the political thinking here although they say they're still looking at it from a policy point of view and a legal point of view what, yeah. what Martin was clearly doing today was because it was an, it was an unguarded uh, kind of answer from him he said He was sharing things with the Oireachtas. He was setting the ground for that evictions ban not to be extended. And the cards
1: they haven't played is that the Minister for Housing is still talking to the Attorney-General in relation to the constitutional legality of extending the ban. Yes.
0: Uh, And also the... Deep pondering from Dar O'Brien
2: and constitutional (laughs) questions.
0: And we leave that there. And also, <laughs> Tisha talking about, uh, Sandra, the tax you know, because there's a lot of discussion now about more favourable tax treatment for these small landlords, you know, because they say they're unfairly treated compared yeah, with the big Yeah, this has balls. been
3: bounced around a lot over the past year. They didn't do anything in the budget. It is something that is seen as perhaps politically difficult. I think Fianna Fáil a bit more hostile towards it. Um, the Lee of Radker was again today suggesting something around the tax treatment for landlords needed to be looked at, but then he said we should really wait until the budget to do that. So I'm not convinced there's something coming there for landlords. Uh, I think the danger, however, for the government is the homelessness figures uh, yeah. shooting up pretty fast because they have gone up over the last couple of months, but people who work in the area will tell you that um, the number of evictions has really uh, slowed down. Obviously many of it, most evictions are not happening. There's a few, obviously, those uh, but uh, the numbers would be expected to go up, and that's politically that's really really damaging for the government. We're going to get, I expect more homelessness figures tomorrow. So uh, let's see what has happened uh, over the past month. And that's, what the the first co- sorry, Mio,
1: that's what the Social Democrats, sorry, that's with the Social Democrats co-leader, um, current uh, Catherine Murphy, was warning was that if homelessness figures are going up when the ban is still in place, if you lift the ban without having a really good plan in place, it's going to become a torrent.
2: I think for the first time there probably is an awareness in the Department of Finance, more so perhaps than last year, about the whole landlord issue uh, and perhaps a, a move in that direction. And I suppose the template for this has been set down, and Dennis Nocton has mentioned this several times, around the renting out of land, which is in place for a few de- over, over a decade now, that long-term leasing of land gets very favourable tax treatment. It would seem straightforward enough if that particular model was used again, that long-term leasing of property uh, could qualify for something similar.
0: Except all of those measures would take a couple of months at least to come into effect, even if you were pressing ahead with them very far. As you say, Sandra, mm-hmm. the homelessness numbers have continued to rise uh, during the time of the eviction ban, mm-hmm. and w- we know from the latest staffed report I mean, the problem is, where do people go? There's simply nowhere for them to go that they can rent, that they can afford.
3: It's Exactly, yeah. the problem is really acute and the opposition would keep pointing to the fact that they do not see that there has been any new initiatives from the government since this ban came into place at the end of October. The government says it's continuing to work on its Housing for All plan, but nothing uh, particularly extra appears to have been done during these months that were supposed to be the breathing space
1: And I would say for example when Peter McVerry was talking um, in Buswell's the hotel very close to Leinster House he said the government has got a plan for modular homes around 600 or 700 we need 6,000 or 7,000 I know he was putting it on that level of scale as otherwise the crisis is really going to tip over the cliff
0: So I think we can expect to be hearing a lot more about that one over the next couple of weeks uh, One thing we're already hearing a lot about it was uh, raised today in the Doyle, and there's an exhibition on here uh, in the coffee house over in the Leinster House extension uh, about the war in Ukraine tomorrow, of course, being the one year anniversary of the of the war starting and uh, the door marking it with a minute's silence, Miho.
2: Yes, and some very strong words from the Count followed and making an appeal to parliamentarians in the Duma to express uh, opposition to the war in Ukraine, a direct appeal parliamentarian to parliamentarian, which which was striking and some some strong words too from the to about what was happening and, and a fairly terse enough exchange with uh, Richard Boyd Barrett afterwards mm-hmm. around that question of is Ireland's neutrality being compromised when it comes to providing people from the defence forces to get involved in training uh, Ukrainian forces in the whole area of demining so that was contentious enough and also in LH there is that that exhibition that you spoke about which shows uh, in first hand and the, the scale of the horror from this time last year.
0: Uh the, the, in fact, um, Tony Connolly, uh, our Brussels, our Europe editor, was um, tweeting a Eurobarometer survey as well today that showed. I mean, I think we're one of the highest levels of support for yeah. Ukraine and Ukrainian people, and support and for Ukraine in the European across context the EU. and welcoming
1: yeah. um, the numbers as well. And Tony's obviously he was there when the war started. Um, he's back there for another year, uh, sort of one year on, and um, has been giving some analysis about where the country is and where the war is a year ago. Um, I was on the borders of um, Poland and Ukraine watching those hundreds of thousands um, coming across the uh, the border, the women with their children because the menfolk of fighting age were being left behind and they were crossing over with a couple of plastic bags, not knowing um, where they were going and not knowing what was happening to all of their loved ones behind them. It really was absolutely gut-wrenching and horrific to see that. And one year on, we still don't see... a a game out of this war. One of the interesting dimensions to it will be the influence of the Chinese who are um, not saying very much but beginning to um, formulate some form of plan um, and that'll be just interesting to see um, what way that works out but one year on it's still just so grim.
0: And it's bizarre because the kind of, there's a Russian offensive going on at the moment in the east but the kind of fighting, the images you see out of
2: uh, what's going on
0: there, it's...
1: World uh,
2: War it's War. like
0: World War exactly. People, you know, these muddy trenches, appalling conditions, human waves being massacred. It,
1: and that's that that's image. Uh, did you see pretty much coming out of, you know, the Wagner group where they are taking um, people who have been convicted of crimes, putting them in military uniforms, sending them up to the Ukrainian front on the basis that you get out of prison if you go to war, yeah. and then sending them over the top, sometimes without even weapons, and they're just being mowed down, as you say, like daisy cutters, like World War One, and some of the images over the past week of where you're seeing the death toll in a small area in just one day. Yeah. it's It's... And of
0: course, Ukrainian civilians like those in Butcher, they're braced now for, you know, possibly more missile strikes tomorrow as Russia marks the anniversary uh, its way. One one other... um Issued that actually didn't happen this week, more than anything. No protocol deal, Sandra. We were all, it was supposed to happen on Tuesday. I know, we are all excited. Rishi Sunak know. was going to his cabinet. We
3: are ever optimistic, and it looked like all the choreography was there, <laughs> really, just to help Rishi Sunak over the line. You know, the deal, we were told, was done. But all the optics uh, and him travelling to Europe... Uh, And travelling to Belfast, it all seemed to be there just to help him to sell it at that final hurdle. But we've seen a hardening of language from the DUP over the last couple of days. It certainly isn't going to happen in the next little while. Uh, So I think we've fallen back a few steps, uh, unfortunately. So uh, we can only hope that they manage to, to get it together over the next week or two. But it is definitely it has slipped back a fair bit this week. Did he bottle it?
1: um, Well, I think it was interesting to see the difficulties that he faces, you know. Um, Yes, he's the new leader, but he's got problems on the left and right. And it was the intervention of Boris Johnson who decided out of the blue to Mm -hmm. write an opinion piece saying don't get rid of that protocol bill which is going through and the Houses of Parliament, which effectively allows the UK government to rewrite anything it wants, And that is incendiary. That is the trade war. If that goes through, that's what's going to happen. So when we thought we were heading towards a deal, then Boris put his oar in and suddenly things began to shudder again.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see how that one plays out. But again, I suppose a reminder, we got an awful reminder, didn't we, from OMA last night of what's at stake here. And, you know, so much talk about trying to get power sharing back together in the run up to the Good Friday Agreement. Last night, a reminder, that office shooting of somebody, you know, who's out doing football training with a team. Um, a reminder of, you know, what was and what can't be, but nobody wants to go back to. Well, apparently one or two people do.
2: Absolutely. And I suppose the the, the condemnation, as expected here, very strong uh, today. Sinn Féin's David Connard speaking in the Doll and leaders' question, saying that those responsible need to be put behind bars uh, as quickly as possible. I suppose that illustrative of the feeling and the sentiment uh, around here. And again, it shows uh, this against the backdrop of that stalled uh, political impasse uh, in the north. But I think, too, despite everything, uh, an expectation perhaps that the protocol deal perhaps is close enough now, despite uh, the waves of protests uh, from some unionists around it, that it, that it could happen he in the last few hours saying that he remains hopeful. So I suppose he has taken a fairly guarded approach in his language around this. So that would suggest perhaps that it is near at hand. Which is okay. interesting
1: in how he's um, speaking on the issues of the protocol where it was before maybe he would have been a bit more forthright.
2: Yeah, I think that's that is fairly consistent okay. with his return as Taoiseach. Leo Varadkar uh, is playing it far safer in his language on many topics and yeah. is presenting both sides of the argument now a lot more than he used to.
0: All right. Um, let's leave international diplomacy and matters like that and trade to one side and talk about partisan politics. Finnegan and Sinn Féin on expenses.
3: Yeah, yeah. the, uh, the grudge match continuing there. Uh, the Irish Times publishing a story last weekend that seem to illustrate some discrepancies between Sinn Féin's electoral declarations and their audited accounts, particularly for 2016. Sinn Féin says nothing to see here, these are minor, maybe they're errors... Um, but Fine Gael clearly ha- has taken this up. There certainly, uh, it, the, we understand that it originally was uh, put together, a document was put together by a Fine Gael activist and passed on to SIPO, which is now examining all of this, but it's not at the stage of an official investigation. But Fine Gael has certainly seen it as ammunition uh, to fling at Sinn Féin and has been relentlessly doing that over the past week. And it's, it looks also like partly revenge for the Pascal who expenses uh, War over January.
2: They were very hurt. They were, very, they were hurt. very hurt. And Pascal remains hurt, judging by his press conference yesterday morning uh, on the streets uh, around Leinster House with other ministers saying that Sinn Féin have to be held accountable to the Dáil mm-hmm. in the same way that he was. Uh, equally, Fine Gael, of course, were saying throughout that that SIPO had to be given time and space, but they, they believe now Dáil accountability for the lead opposition party is... More important.
0: <laughs> what else came up at that news conference yesterday? Well,
2: yes, quite a surprise, really, that the government chief whip admitted trying cannabis in her 20s, Hildegard knocked him, but it wasn't for her. And uh, Neil Richmond, another junior minister... As man, in it wasn't, wasn't for her, her it. She didn't wasn't like, to do. She didn't yeah, like it. wasn't for her,
1: yeah. yeah. As in it wasn't for me.
2: <laughs> that was... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Neil Richmond, too, was asked the question. This, of course, all in the context... Of two things. One, Desi Ellis making comments that cocaine was everywhere, and he he believes it is in Dáil Aaron as well. And also the setting up of the Citizens' Assembly on drugs. The junior minister, Neil Richmond, saying he had tried cannabis in the Netherlands. Uh, That was the difference there, and it was a horrible experience. Pascal Donoghue uh, never uh, dabbled in anything like that. And Simon Harris had been at that press conference, but had to go away to take a a doll question at the time. but. He did stick to his line, which is interesting uh, as well about recreation drugs. Because he drugs. was
0: going on, he he was raising yeah. this in the thought. Yeah. He
2: was, yeah. That that he believes it's far too prevalent recreation drugs, are, and he's making a link between that and gangland crime. And people have to be mindful. Of that. Uh, so it's kind of two messages coming. I think
1: there's like, there's, it has to reach a point where we have to sort of nearly get over this uh, Labour um, TDA on thumb was making statements on the plinth last week that people in the media taking taken drugs politicians had taken the drugs and we just need to get on with this and when it comes to the Citizens Assembly we nearly have to stop at step one, and really accept we know that there's an awful lot of drugs washing through the country. We have to talk about criminalization of those who take it, which particularly affects those in deprived areas. And we have to talk about all the other amounts. So let's get the old. Um, Citizen Assembly up and running. Then The next piece in that jigsaw, we had the terms of reference which went through the Iraq this this week. The next thing is who is the chairperson going to be and I think Mm. that's going to be key uh, with regard to how the um, business of the Assembly is handled. I think it's an
2: issue though, I don't see the path for this one. I think the Citizens Assembly in the past has been able to chart a course, Mm. even if it has been a difficult course. If you have Simon Harris, who clearly is a man with leadership ambitions in Fine Gael, really sending a signal out to those within that party uh, who would be seen to the right of it around law and order and the importance yeah. of it. He clearly is doing that. It does seem if the recommendations come back from the Citizens' Assembly, can you even have cohesion guaranteed within government? Accept, well,
3: yeah. except Sorry, Sandra, go on. Well, I think uh, you're unlikely to see a decision before the next election. Mm. I mean, it's contentious. So whatever the Citizens' Assembly comes up with and in the past it has surprised people on abortion people at citizens exactly the Citizens Assembly went much curve. further yeah. than people expected nobody
0: none of us exactly. nobody could have predicted and there the, yes. I, you know even the, the most pro-choice TD at the time here in Leinster House could not have predicted that the change that followed mm. after the mm. setting up mm. of that Citizens Assembly on repealing the 8th would happen within this body politic in that space of time. So we could all be surprised. I
1: suppose it's real key is that if you set it up quickly and we've been told that it will be set up by April, which means it reports back by the end of the year, which means it goes to committee in 2024. And if it is, you know, eye-catching in relation to what they want to do, then trying to get that um, through the Oireachtas in the last six to eight months is going to so be don't it it won't won't hold happen. So yeah, don't hold your breath.
3: I don't think so, not before an election. Write that down now. Yeah, yeah to play it back. It's <laughs> <going to happen. laughs> And that Fine
0: press, that was supposed to be about the cost of living, was it? Yes, yeah, so yeah. I
3: think, uh, you know, a little ruse that Fine have done, they did it previously after the budget went on a canvas of commuters around uh, Dawson Street. They did to the Rick Rick same
2: thing. To an unsuspecting public. <laughs>
3: yes, yes. Just going about their daily business when they're accosted by some cameras and some politicians and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they tried the same thing yesterday, <laughs> but it was definitely overshadowed. The main news line out of it was around Hildegard Nocton. But uh, it's quite funny if you watch the footage when Hildegard Nocton is saying that she did try cannabis uh, once in her 20s. Uh, Pascal Dunhu seems very uh, disapproving and is sort of uh, almost kind of tut-tutting in, in the footage. So uh, He's shaking some, his head, yes. he's
1: grimacing, his lips are pursed, his eyes are downcast. Not happy. All the body language is going, Oh, you can no. see the
0: memes coming right now, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's it from us for this Thursday. We'll be back with you again at the same time next week. And if you enjoyed listening to your politics, please subscribe and leave a review. Until then, from Sandra, Michal,
3: Paul and me on your lauder, goodbye, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.